0: Take your copy of God's Word and turn to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. Now last Sunday I gave a sermon that... Uh, and I had five points. I only got through four of them. And so uh, I knocked off the last ones. But the last ones we're going to take up today. But I'm going to tell you what the last week's the outline was for last week. From Romans chapter 5. Be nice if I turn there. Romans chapter 5. And I, I said last week that... In that chapter, the apostle tells us what we are in Adam by nature. Our natural man is corrupted through Adam. So that's our status in Adam naturally is that we are corrupt, that we are sinful. And the second point was that our, what our status is in Christ supernaturally. In order to have that change of person, have a change in the inner man, it takes an act of God, a supernatural act of God, where, and that's regeneration or being born again that changes us from the inside to the outside. And then I said, fourth, thirdly, the apostle gives us instruction in verses six, chapter 6 verses 1 to 4 how we should live in this new status. Because in Christ, you've been declared just from all sins, and nothing you can nothing you do can jeopardize your status once you have passed from death unto life, you can't pass back into death. That's John 5, 24. Those who hear my words, Jesus said, and believe on him who hath sent me, hath passed from death unto life. Colossians says we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So we're in a, an entirely new status, and this new status is completely free to you. There are no strings. Believe on Christ and be saved. But the natural question is in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, what then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The apostle says, God forbid. So in this new status that we cannot mess up, that we can't jeopardize, he says that we should not pursue sinfulness. We shouldn't use it as a license to live in sin. And the fourth thing we talked about last Sunday was that we can live without fear in this new status because you can't scare dead people. We don't have anything to fear because we were crucified with Christ. Those who were chosen in Christ, placed in Christ, they died on the cross with Christ, and they've been resurrected with Christ as well. Which brings us to the fifth point, which I managed to work into a pretty long sermon, just for you guys, just for the dads. (laughs) This is my gift to you, a very long sermon. This is... how we should live in this new dominion. Since we're living in this on the, on this side of death, so we've been passed from death to life, how we should live in this new dominion. And I want to take a reading this morning from Romans chapter six, verses twelve through fourteen. And if you have if you found it in your copy of God's word, say amen. Romans six twelve. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Now let's, let's have a short prayer together. Father, as we... Well, I'm bringing this sermon... Before your presence, and I pray, Lord, that you would give me the help of the Holy Spirit to say the things that are right to say. Help me to say them in the best way possible. I pray these things in Jesus' most glorious and wonderful name. Amen. Now that we have passed from death to life, now that we live under the reign of grace and not the reign of sin anymore, now that we are dead to sin, the question is, how shall we then live? Now, we're going to have the next slide, and uh, if you have your phone... Take it out and see if you can get a picture of this. And this is, an intro- this is a 10-lecture series by Francis Schaeffer called How Shall We Then Live? It's on YouTube. There's 10 of them. It's thir- about 30 minutes long if you want to get a shot of this. Uh, you can check it out. Or you can go on YouTube and just type in How Shall We Then Live? And you can get an idea of what Schaeffer says about how to live as a Christian in this world. And Schaeffer goes through as a historian. It's, it's, it's very helpful. It's on the back screen, too, just in case you guys can't get it from the front. I should take a picture of everybody taking their picture, <laughs> taking a picture. It's kind of cool. That's a QR code, and uh, that, that was a, there's a free QR code generator online. So I think that will be very helpful to you in thinking through how to live as a Christian in a fallen world, in a fallen world, and uh, Schaefer does a, does a great job. It's also, He's also put all those things in print. You can read the books if you want, but I figure that a lot of us probably just prefer to watch it on YouTube, and because uh, we're always looking for something to fall asleep by, right? <laughs> Now, I want you. We've given the reading of Scripture here, verses twelve through fourteen, and from this passage we conclude that we are in that while we are in a state of death because we've been crucified with Christ, the sin nature, however, is still present in us, and so we need to adopt some internal attitudes within ourselves in regards to our sinful desires, because while we are protected from the power of sin. Sin cannot condemn us anymore. We're protected from the power of sin, the dominion of sin. We still have the presence of sin within us. And that is where we have the big struggles, the presence of sin within us. Now, that old German reformer, Martin Luther, he said this about a Christian. He said that a Christian is at the same time just And still a sinner. Which means that before God, we are without sin. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are justified by faith. God declares you forensically innocent of all sin for all time, like you've never been a sinner at all. But you are still actively sinning. You've been declared a winner, but you're still a loser. (laughs) Have you ever been at your job and the boss man says, "Come down to my office," and you go, "Okay." And you go down there and you go in the office, and, and you, you're not expecting it, but you get a little raise, get a little spiff. You know, you we you, you <laughs> used to tick me off. Terry, you've been doing such a great job. You're really killing it. You're knocking it out of the park. What we like to do is give you twenty more cents an hour. <laughs> twenty cents an hour. You always want to invoke Johnny Paycheck right there. (laughs) That went over like a lead balloon did. Do you guys know who Johnny Paycheck was? Okay, let's just be sure. (laughs) So even though you've been declared a winner, you still are a loser because you still have the sin nature within you. And that sin nature, it rages within you, but it can never knock you out of God's grace. It can never knock you out of God's love. All of the letters in the New Testament that Paul writes are all telling believers to live out their faith by actively, intentionally working at not giving in to sinful passions. Paul never never tears tears them up about the appetites. Paul always tells them don't give in to the appetites, don't give in to the sinful passions. Now, our passions are disordered by the fall because of Adam, he has wrecked us all. Our natures are corrupt. And so because we are messed up, our fallen nature wants to do some very bad things. If you look, take your Bible, don't do it now, but if you want to, you can look at Leviticus 18. And that's one of the most striking chapters in the book of Leviticus because you have this fantastic list of sexual perversions. Things that are kind of like Really? But yes. And God has to put these prohibitions in black and white and place them in His enduring eternal word because people are tempted to do those things over and over and over again. And He has to say, don't do it. It has to be plain about it. And so God is there. So what we see is this prohibition is constant in God's word. And I used to say this in Oklahoma, and I guess I'll say it here too, If the Bible says it, it means it's a problem in all times. In all times. It's not just something way back there in the past. These are things that are ongoing, struggles that people have today with sins. Now, sin, some sins seem to go in and out of style. Have you noticed that? Some sins seem to go, the whole culture is repulsed by them. And then the society or culture changes, and they kind of go out of style. But they, it goes in cycles. And if you ever get to be a student of history and read about the Roman Empire, you'll see that the cycles that they went through and how the whole world has cycled up and down ever ever since. Ever since Noah got off the boat, it's been happening. Some sins are popular, and then they fall out of popularity. Some of them don't fall out of popularity fast enough, but that's kind of the way it goes. And all sins that we commit begin with our desires or our passions. It begins on the inside and works its way out to the outside most of the time. And it is with this desire, it is with the passions that we have for sin, that we have constant wrestlings with sin. And I use this term wrestle intentionally because Paul uses it in Ephesians chapter 6, where he says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, but against spiritual corruptions. And I was looking up that word, uh, wrestle in my Greek New Testament and, and the word that appears in Ephesians has the word pros after it which is the same word that is used in 1 John chapter 1 verse number 1 where it says that Jesus the Logos was theon, he was face to face with God now have you ever been in a wrestling match you ever been in a root hog or die if it's soft tear it off kind of fight oh man when you're when you're in a real wrestling match you're face to face you're close (laughs) i remember when i was a kid one of my friends one of my buddies i used to beat the dog out of him all the time and then he went to regular high school and he got on the wrestling team and he and then one day he's like hey you want to wrestle i said oh yeah I was going to do my regular stuff to him, you know. Next thing I know, he's wrapping me up like a pretzel, making me cry like a little girl. <laughs> and it was face to face. I mean, he was. It was, it, was a, it was just wrestling. It was full body, full contact. It was everything, man. And that's what we're wrestling with sin. Sin is the same way. It's a wrestling match. We're wrestling against it. It's trying to master us and take us over all the time. It's trying to twist us up and get us to tap out. Sin is a struggle. If you're here today and you're a Christian, I figure that you probably have some idea of what that's like. Now, we don't all wrestle with the same things, but we are all wrestling with something. And we need to remember that when we see other Christians who are wrestling with things that we don't struggle with, we have to remember not to be nasty or mean about it. Galatians 6.1 says that you who are spiritual, if you see a brother or a sister who is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore them gently, lest you also be tempted. Also be tempted. And this has happened to me so many times where somebody will tell me something they're struggling with, and I'm like, what is wrong with you, man? Why don't you grow up? Why don't you become a real mature Christian? And what do I find happening to myself soon after? Slipping down the same path sometimes. So we have to remember that we're tempted to do all kinds of sins. And just because you're here today and you're tempted to do any number of sins, that does not mean that you are not a Christian. The temptation to sin doesn't mean you're not a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're wrestling, you're struggling with it. You see if you're here today and you say, hey, I sin all the time. It never bothers me. I have no problem with it at all. It's just everything is... Well, that probably is a barometer or a temperature, a thermometer that tells us something about your spiritual nature. If it never bothers you to commit sins, it could be two, it could be two things. One, it could be that you're not a Christian at all. Not, and that's something you really need to think about. Not a Christian at all. If you're not a Christian at all, when you die... You're going to go to hell. There's no if ands, or buts about it. That's where you're going to go if you're not a Christian. And if you are a Christian, and committing sins don't bother you, it's because something is happening inside of you that's causing you to become hardened, to become calloused about sins. Calloused about sins. Anybody here have any calluses? Because I'm a preacher, I don't really do any kind of real work. So the, the only calluses I have are on my feet. <laughs> and that skin gets hard and tough. I can remember when I used to work for a living, and I'd have a, a big callus <laughs> on my hand. And it'd be hard. You know, I could, it would be gritty, you know, I'd really working man's hands, you know. And you get tougher over time. I can remember when I started playing a guitar, my fingers would hurt so much. and you know, I'd be, oh, it just hurts. But then your fingers toughen up, you know? And the more, as a Christian, the more you continue to willfully do sins, the more you give in to your passions, you find yourself being hardened. The Apostle Paul, he uses a phrase in his letter to 1 Timothy, and it says, uh, I can't remember the phrase that he uses, but that's what he's talking about, being hardened by sin. Having your conscience seared with a hot iron. Your conscience becomes harder. So if sin doesn't bother you at all, it could be because you have, you're have you not a Christian or because you've become calloused about sin. Now, you need to remember that sin is, is, is there and you have to work against it. You have to fight against the sins. If you're here and you're a Christian and you've fallen into sin, I pray that by the Lord's Holy Spirit, He will rip off the callous and revive you again and bring you back to it. Now, if you are here and you get all tangled up in sin, if you're a Christian, or even, even non-Christians, if you get all tangled up in sins, if you give in to your passions constantly, it can and usually will make your life harder. So many people to, are living with the consequences of bad choices. Now as a Christian, when you sin, you're to feel some, you're going to have some emotions about the sin you commit. You're going to have regret. You're going to feel shame, and there's going to be certain elements of self-flagellation where you're beating yourself up about it. Now, just because you have regrets or feel shame about sins you've committed doesn't mean that God has cast you away. What it means is that God is letting you feel bad about your sins so you'll be loathe, loathe to commit them again. Loathe to do it because You suffer. Now, I had a dog, and I'm going to tell my dog story because people get mad at me when I talk about dogs. But I had kids. And sometimes a kid will do something, and you give them a smack on the hind end. And you say, don't do that again. And if they do the same thing a couple times, and you give them a really good smack, what are you trying to tell them? You say, if you do that again, you're going to get another smack on the hind end. I can remember as a kid getting some smackings from my dad. Whew. I didn't want to do I, I didn't do the sin again I didn't disobey him again because I didn't want to get smacked on the backside it wasn't because I loved him more <laughs> it wasn't because I had a more mature outlook I just didn't want to go through the pain again of doing it and God will let you suffer the consequences of your sins God has not cast you away but he'll let you feel bad so you'll feel loath about these things now in the Psalms there are a set of psalms called the penitential psalms and there's seven of them. Seven for every day of the week and these psalms are called penitential psalms or god i'm so sorry psalms. These are psalms that David wrote when he was after he had committed a sin and he's trying to get right with god and these psalms are David talking about how he feels after he's committed these sins. In psalm 31, I think it is or psalm 32 must be, must be, I think it is 31. Where David is talking about one of his sins he's committed, and he says, my loins, this is the authorized version, my loins give off a loathsome stink. And most of the commentators say he had contracted some form of venereal disease from his uh, sexual activities, causing him problems. And these, are, these are seven penitential psalms. You could use these psalms to keep yourself right with God, to, to make up a part of your daily devotions. Now, the great comfort we have in the struggle with the sin nature is that when we fail to live above sin or when we succumb to the temptations or desires of sin, our standing with God through Christ is unaffected. We are not cast out because of our sins. And so what that means, friends, is that no works, no sin, and nothing we face because of our sins can separate us from the steadfast love of God. And that's in Romans 8, 28-39. We could turn there and read it, 10 verses. That tell us that even though we err, He is devoted to us. As they get reading in Romans 8, 33, I think, where it says that, Who is it that lays any charge to God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Nothing can be laid to your charge if you put your faith in Christ. Now, that's, that's, that's a blessing. There's another comfort about this, too. And this is from uh, Charles Hodge says this about Romans chapter 6. He says that ultimately the, the believer... While we are wrestling with sin our whole life long, ultimately we will overcome sin because the struggle is going to end no matter how often it bests us. We will overcome it. We will win the war against sin because glorification is guaranteed to every believer. It's guaranteed. So now I want you to... We're going to shift gears a second. I'm going to give you some things to think about yourself. Things to think about yourself from Romans 6 about sin. Let's go back to the reading. Let's read these verses again, 12 through 14. Then I'll give you these few points, and then we'll go to the house, okay? All in favor of that, say aye. Here we go. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. So the first thing we need to understand is that you're justified. If you put your faith in Christ, you are justified. You've been delivered from the guilt of sin through Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his sermons on spiritual oppression, he says that you can make no progress, no progress as a Christian, Until you have your feet firmly planted on the doctrine of justification by faith. That's the foundation. If you're going to build a house, if you're going to build a structure of some kind, what do you want to have first? A Good foundation. Something to go straight up on. So you have to have your salvation nailed down. Now, sometimes people, they'll say, well, the Apostle Paul, he's the one who taught justification by faith. That's a Pauline doctrine. It's not something that Christ says. Now, this next slide is what Jesus our Lord said about salvation. And uh, all these verses are from the Gospel of John. Basically, take your Bible to John 3 and just go forward and look for the word believe. And you'll see over and over again Jesus saying, believe on me and be saved. Put your faith in him. Before you can really build a joy-filled Christian life, you need to have your feet firmly planted on the rock of salvation. That is Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead so that all who believe in him will be justified through his resurrection. That's the first thing you have to start with. That's the first step forward is to know that you are a Christian. The second thing from Romans 6. You need to consider yourself dead to sin And alive to Christ. And what that means is you have to consider yourself off limits to sin and completely available to Christ. You see, when a girl and a boy get married, all their old lovers are dead to them. They're dead to them. Once you you get married, all your old girlfriends, you lose their numbers. You throw away the black book, you take down the posting on your website. Wanted, good woman, who owns truck and boat. Send picture of truck and boat. (laughs) All the old lovers, they're gone forever from you. Now, they're not really dead, but they're in a a state of deadness to you. One of Valerie's cousins had a daughter, still has a daughter, and she had a boyfriend. (laughs) And... And they had had a deer lease, they had a duck lease, they had a boat, they had the whole nine yards, man. And while this boy was dating their daughter, he got to go on the deer lease, go on the duck lease, and use the duck boat. And then they broke up. Guess what happened when November 1st came around? He called them up (laughs) and said, yo, can I come over and sit in a stand? (laughs) <laughs> no way, Jose, they said if you're in, you're in when you're out, you're out I've told this to Leslie about sort of her friends back in Oklahoma had car trouble and that kind of thing and I'd go around and try to help them and I would, I would tell them, I'd say if you're Leslie's friend, you're my friend but if you're Leslie's enemy God have mercy on your soul <laughs> Now, this is the mindset we need about sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to it. It's dead to me. How often do we have to adopt that mindset? How often do we have to put that into our life? Well, Jesus said in Luke nine twenty three that daily we take up the sign of death, that's the cross, and follow him. Daily, I'm dead to sin. The third thing, we need to think about not letting sin rule us because sin doesn't have the right to rule over us anymore. When we sin, we are actually submitting to a different master, a master who has no right to boss us around anymore. You see, when you change jobs, you also change bosses most of the time. And say so you, you move into a new company, you go from company A to company B, And at company B, you get a new boss. Now, what if you wake up the next morning and your boss from company A sent you an email and said, hey, I want you to do these things for me today. What kind of email are you going to send back? What's wrong with you, fool? I don't work over there anymore. Louis L'Amour has this great saying in his books where he would talk about writing for the brand. And his basic thing was, if you take a man's money, you wear his brand. You had to be devoted to the company, a company man. You hear that kind of thinking? And that's how we are to be. We are Christians. We belong to Christ, not to sin. And we should not let sin rule over us. It doesn't have the right to it. But the sin is present in us, and sin is never going to stop trying to rule over you. It's never going to stop trying to get you to do what it wants. It's never going to stop tempting you and luring you and seducing you. It's an ongoing struggle. And it's an intense struggle. We have to keep the right mindset about it, it'll be helpful to us. Sometimes sin is like a terrorist it launches surprise attacks when we least expect it. And it attacks without mercy. What are my friends? He's a pastor in Kansas, was driving down the road. He was listening to a sermon. And he said, all of a sudden, my mind was filled with incredibly vile and wicked thoughts of various kinds. He was my friend, and we're, we're good friends, so he was quite candid about what the thoughts that leaped into his mind. And he said, has it ever happened to you? I said, no way, buddy. I'm a Christian. <laughs> I ain't like you. <laughs> well, I said, yes, it has. Because it happens to us all. I wouldn't be surprised if while sitting here this morning during this sermon, if you haven't been wrestling with sin while you sit here. Sinful thoughts, sinful inclinations, sinful temptations. Sin is persistent. It just keeps on working and working, trying to take over. Trying to take over. And in this wrestling, we can't cry, uncle, we have to cry out to Christ who is able. The authorized version has this interesting word. Able to succor, succor those who are tempted. Like a mother takes a crying baby and presses it to her breast. Comforting and calming. When you are in the, in the, in the, in the grip of sin, when, when the battle is raging against you, don't give in Call out to Christ, Lord Jesus, please come help me. Hebrews says he knows how to help those who are tempted with sin. He knows. He has made a way of escape. Go to Christ in those temptations. Run to him. Call upon him. Now, you won't want to call upon him because sin will say he ain't going to help you. He ain't going to help you. Well, that's what sin does. Sin lies and deceives us. Sin will. Jesus will help you. You sometimes we get this idea in our mind. You know, I've really messed up my life, and so I can't ask God for help because I did this. I got to get myself out of it. I got myself into this mess. I got to get myself out of it. That's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to call upon Him. Look to Him. He'll help you. He'll help you. Fourthly, you need to think think about presenting yourself to the right master. We have to remember that our bodies belong to God. Now, the, the Bible uses the word members, which is what it means, our body. And our body is, is amoral. The body itself has no morality at all. It's just used either by, for good or used for evil. But our bodies belong to God. That's 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20, where Paul says, the authorized version says it like this, What? Know you not that you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God in your body. Our bodies belong to God. He's our master. We must give our members to him. Let me give you you these things. You must give our eyes to him, our ears to him, our hands to him, and our feet to him for his use. We belong to him. You You and I are not saved for sin. We are saved and intended for God's glory. A pastor from New Jersey named Al Martin, he says this, We should consider that on our members we have the sign of the cross and that our whole self belongs to Jesus Christ our Lord. And he goes on to say it like this. He says, Upon your hand you have the sign of the cross. On your forehead the sign of the cross. In your sexual members the sign of the cross. Everything that you do is for the glory and honor of Christ. You belong to Him. You need to yield yourself to the right Master, the one who has saved you and loves you with everlasting love. The fifth thing and last thing, we need to remember that our standing with God through Christ is by grace and not law. We are freed from the law so that we can learn to be Christians with a security, with a secure position. If you go down tomorrow and get a job, Let's say it's a really good job. Let's say it's a really, really good job. Let's say it's a really, 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 really good job. Let's say it's the best job you could ever get. Let's say you get paid to fish. (laughs) Or paid to sleep. (laughs) Or paid to scroll through YouTube. Let's say you get a really good job, and the boss man comes in and says, Welcome to the company. We're so glad to have you. Here's your benefit package. The salary is out of this world. The insurance is magnificent. They give you a company car and a gas card. (laughs) Everything's great. And he says, Look, you only get to make three mistakes today. If you make three mistakes in any area, you're fired. Three mistakes in any area, you're fired. Doesn't matter, big, little, mistakes a mistake. <clears throat> Typographical mistake, clerical mistake, addition mistake. If you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, fired. You get three strikes and you're out. How's that going to make you feel all day long? A little bit Paranoid. A little bit unhappy. A little bit miserable. Paranoid. You see, we are not under law, we're under grace. In the Old Testament, it says that if you didn't continue in perfect legal obedience, then you were cast out of the Old Covenant. In the Old Testament, they had to offer a sin sacrifice for everything. Even sins that were, in the authorized version, it says... They call them sins of, uh, uh, yeah, omission. That's not, that's not quite the word I'm looking for. Sins of ignorance. I didn't know it was a sin. They still had to bring a blood sacrifice for it. For every single thing they did, as soon as they found out they had to do it, and nobody was excused. No matter what it cost, no matter what was acquired, constantly, every day, the priests of the Old Testament never got a day off. Because every day, People are bringing their sin offerings to atone, to atone, to atone, to atone. The law was grinding them down to the ground, a heavy yoke upon them. But the new covenant is different. The new covenant is a gracious covenant. All the work of the new covenant is done by Christ. And so when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you enter a completely new relationship with God and you're not under law anymore, you're under grace. And the natural questions Paul deals with, you look at verse 15 of chapter 6, is the question comes up again, shall we continue in sin? This mean it doesn't matter how we live? Paul says that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. What we have in Christ is security so we can learn to follow Christ without living in fear of being tossed out of the heavenly kingdom, without fear of being tossed out of God's family. Our standing with God is by grace. Our salvation is given to us freely by faith in Jesus Christ, by faith in His death and resurrection, resurrection. And if you are in Christ, you have nothing to fear from the law's power to condemn you for your sins. You have nothing to fear because you are not under law you are under grace. And as a person who's under grace, we can live for him. And when we fail, he says, get up, try again. Have you ever made it? when I was a kid, you know, I did some stuff I shouldn't have done. And uh, you know, I talked to my dad about it, my mom. and Usually, I did, well, I wasn't talking to him about it. Usually I got found out because that's the way it worked, right? I did, I, did, I, did, I did a certain set of sins one time and I told my best friend. You know what he did? He told my brother. You know what my brother did? I told my mother. You know what my mother did? I told my father. You know what my father did? He told me. <laughs> I can remember feeling like I had completely messed it up forever. I'm never going to overcome this. Never going to be the same again. But when I told my dad I was sorry, he said, I forgive you. And the thing that I did, I was a member of the church when I did it. I had to go before the church and appear before the congregation on a, on a Sunday. and Actually, it was a Wednesday night and say to the whole church, you know, I've been living like a heathen doing these different things. and It's so funny. Baptist churches are so funny. I said, I said I was sorry. My dad said, Is there a motion to forgive? <laughs> <laughs> you know, luckily somebody said, I make a motion. <laughs> Is there a second? <laughs> Any discussion? <laughs> All in favor say aye. And you know what? Every, everybody, everybody forgave me and took me right. It was, it was like it never happened. I just went forward. And that's your relationship with God through Christ. You are under grace and not under law. And in this new status, we can go forward serving him, forward wrestling with our sin without fear because you're going to lose the wrestling match sometimes. But when you, get, when you get counted out, you're not knocked out of God's, God's love because you're in the covenant of grace. Well, let's have a prayer together. Father, I pray that you bless these words to our hearts. And we pray these things in Jesus' most glorious name. Amen.